0: Today on Locked On Canadians, nothing happened today. Uh, So we're going to go straight to the mailbag. No, we can't do that. We're going to talk a very, very little brief bit about that Penguins game. And then we're going to get into our mailbag because those ones are always fun. You're Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. episode 493. That's 493 you heard right. We are approaching our 500th episode and we have arranged for two giveaways for our 500th episode uh, and that's coming up and we'll tell you the details on Monday and we'll remind you every single day leading up until our 500th episode as to how you can win a couple of halves related things from people we love. My name is Laura Saba, also known as The Active Stick, and I'm joined, as always, by Scott Matla of Have Size on the Prize. Like I said, we're going to talk briefly about the Penguin's Gate, briefly, and then we will move on to the mailbag and spend some more time. But first, I'm so excited to tell you, we recorded an episode with Amanda Suzuki earlier today that we will be dropping on Tuesday of next week. So it's going to be episode 495. And we talked about Nick's journey to the NHL. We talked about him potentially. He's, on, he's definitely on the long list for the Canadian Olympic team. We talked about where he gets his confidence. We talked about what kind of a person he is and uh, what it felt like for his his family, his parents to watch him get drafted, to watch his younger brother get drafted, and then to see him be traded and watch him in the playoffs. Uh, and, and it was a really, really nice conversation. You know, the Canadians aren't doing that well right now, but we wanted to bring you interesting and fun things. It's not always going to be talking about the games that are depressing or bad or anything like that. And we do cover the games we are. Are going to be covering every game. that is our job but we want to bring you insights about like some of these guys you know these players that we really like uh, and uh, we want to like as as time goes on we've got a couple of interviews in the works we've got one lined up as well talking about youth hockey and the game and all of that so that's all coming up in the coming months or coming weeks uh, some of them are already recorded as well but uh, you know we're going to bring you as much fun stuff as possible and we're still going to talk about the on ice stuff, but you know, I think, I think we've made it our mission to kind of bring positive Habs, fun Habs conversations to you on our five day a week podcast. So Scott, uh, let's talk about a couple of the positives from that game real quick. Uh, I thought Cole Caulfield looked great. And I thought, Matthias Norlinder looked really, really good. I was actually surprised at how good he looked because I was very careful about tempering my expectations.
1: He looked, Norlinder that is, looked so much better than he did in the AHL. He made confident plays, which is all that we really wanted to. I don't think he was bad. He had a lot of chances to set things up that either went awry or to fully miss the net or whatever. He looked about as good as we could have hoped in this, and I thought Caulfield looked great until the game went out of hand and the Canadians just put their hands up and went, nah, and just kind of left it at that. Uh, it, it is good to see Caulfield playing with that kind of energy, even when the game's going poorly for the team as a whole, and people forget he played an entire game and overtime and a shootout last night and then went and played the game tonight and was arguably one of the best Habs skaters on the ice. There's not a lot of positive to take away from a game like that, but I do have to say Caulfield and Norlinda are definitely at the top of my list.
0: I agree. And right now I'm struggling to think of a third positive thing uh, for my three positives of the night for people who are, who, 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 follow us on Twitter. I do one every night and I post it. And then I talk about what they are on the episode that we're recording at the same time. And this time I'm, I'm trying to think of a third. So before we move on to the mailbag, I just want to ask one question because I think it's an interesting discussion, right? We are watching the haves. Like, I'm not a professional coach, GM player. Scott is not a professional coach, GM player, but we watch a lot of hockey. And a question that we wanted to ask ourselves a little bit and sort of see, like, is, is, is there a simple solution to this? So one of the things is that, you know, all over since, since, I don't know, game five, game six, people have been calling for heads and we don't want to gratuitously do that. So the question we're going to ask is, if you were to change the entirety of the coaching staff, would that fix the problem? And Scott had a really, really interesting answer to that.
1: My whole thing with that is I want to say yes, but we have no idea what the Canadians baseline is. I do not know what the Montreal Canadiens are. Do they have defensive issues? Do they have forward issues? Is it transition play? Is it cycle play? Is it just defensive zone coverage? The team lacks so much structure that I do not know what the system is. And that's a problem. And at that point, you go, yeah, putting in new coaches would fix it because at least then we might know what the hell the problem is. The Canadians right now are the Titanic, except instead of one iceberg ripping open the side of the ship, a... You know, World War II era cruiser drove by and also blasted a hole in the other side of it with a bunch of, you know, anti aircraft guns. And then it got hit by a nuclear bomb and is sinking. It's such a mess that it, you have to start over basically. This entire team is at nothing right now and it's not getting any better. There's no structure, there's no way forward when we don't know how to address the problem when everything is the problem. They need to get someone in here and have them play a structured system and build from there. there. There's no other way around it right now. And so my answer is, yeah, I think getting a new coaching staff in here would fix a lot of things. They might not be good, but they'll be better because at least we'll be able to build off of wherever they're at next.
0: My answer to this question, I like, I thought it would have been a simple answer. Uh, and then I thought about it and I was like, it's probably not as simple as I think it is. But You definitely need a strong systems person. And I think that that's what's lacking. And I don't know where that's going to come from. And I don't know if the Habs have any appetite to do anything about it right now. But as they do that, or as they decide whether or not to do that, you know, we're going to keep looking for some positives. We're going to to try and be fair about our critique. We don't want to be gratuitously negative, even though obviously we are aware we're not, we're not Pollyanna pie in the sky. We are aware that the team is not good right now, but I don't think that it's as bad as the record says it is. I don't think it's as bad as the way they're playing. And I think it just, you can take the same personnel and make them play better is my thing. And so I don't know how you're going to do that, but you can. And I think these players can play better. I think it is possible for these players to play better. Now, whether or not the Haves want to tank, I don't know. You know, it's not up to us to do it, to, to, to decide that. But I do think, though, if they do, at least the draft is pretty deep. And as we've seen from the younger players who are all playing reasonably well i mean they're they're, for the most part they're playing really really well with the occasional bad game i think that you know the future can still be bright so it's possible that that might even be better for the haves than trying to turn things around this late in the season but we're not going to dwell on that right now what we are going to do is we're going to turn our attention to the mailbag and that's coming up in just one moment but first Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. We love Built Bar here on Locked On Canadians. We love Built Bar here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Why? Because they're always delicious. They've got 18 delicious flavors and they're always low in calorie. They're always low in sugar. They're always made with real chocolate and they're always high in protein. They don't have a weird texture. They don't have a weird taste like some of the protein bars that you're used to. It's literally treats. And some every once in a while they have special edition flavors. And right now, because it's Thanksgiving, they've got new flavors all the time. So if you want to experience any of this, you can go to built.com and enter promo code locked 15 to get 15% off your order. That's built.com enter promo code locked 15 to get 15% off your order. Thanks as always for making us your first listen of the day. And as we said, we're approaching 500 episodes very, very soon. We're so grateful to you for making us your first listen every single day. And we've got some treats for you. Like, for example, as we mentioned off the top, next week we'll be talking, or we've already spoken during next week, we'll be sharing our conversation with Amanda Suzuki. And in the coming weeks, we've got more guests and more things planned, including a giveaway. where well, right now it is time for our mailbag. Scott, what do we have in the mailbag this week?
1: We have an email question to start, which if you ever want to send us questions, we are at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter or lockedoncanadians@gmail.com, at gmail.com. And this one comes from Mike B. Good morning, Laura and Scott. You guys rock. I have a non-hockey question. Laura, I have been vegetarian most of my adult life. I love falafel. If I was traveling to Montreal or Ottawa or anywhere, really, could you recommend a place for falafel, please? I live in Belleville, west of Kingston. Thanks for everything.
0: I asked actual Ottawa people, and I went with Mark Jumo, our friend, who used to live there, and I also asked somebody who currently lives there, friend of the show, uh, Do, who when we did a when we did a um, uh, money on the board in the playoffs, she was instrumental in that. She's actually a Stans fan living in Ottawa. So here are the places that came up. Uh, Mark said Shawarma Palace used to be good, and he said that I think it's called Chickpeas. Yes, it's chickpeas on Bank Street. So that's one That's uh, that's that's got fresh falafel. This is all in Ottawa, by the way. And then you gave me Simpson and falafel scoop. And uh, she also said Le Griade is a good option, but Simpson is by far closest to what her mom makes and their baked goods are divine. So I would say go to Simpson if you're in Ottawa or chickpeas. Uh, and in Montreal, there's a couple of places. So here's one of them I'm going to recommend, but I have to contextualize it a little bit. There's a place called Falafel Freha that is Freha. it's F-R-E-I-H-A, that is in Laval. If you've got a car, uh, you can go there. Like literally all they do is falafel, And it's like, it's literally a a couple it's, they have no employees. It's literally, it's just them. And all they do is make falafel. So if you're looking for like a sit down experience with like great service or whatever, that's not it. It's literally, you show up, you buy your falafel and go, and they won't sell to you if it's not fresh. So they'll tell you to wait 20 minutes. And then you wait 20 minutes for super fresh uh, falafel. That is one of those, like it. That's where Lebanese people go. That's where we go. There's actually a Freja in Beirut, um, and it's it's pretty similar to that. Like it's authentic, but if you you know it, it's kind of like it's kind of sitcomy the way that it's really not a restaurant. Uh, but the falafel's good, so get the falafel, eat it in your car, and don't don't expect them to be like like a five star service kind of people. In on the island of Montreal, there's a couple of places. The Shawarma's place that I recommended. I think it was last week. Uh, does have falafel as well. Uh, it's pretty good. There's a place called Crazy Falafel as well uh, that is uh, sort of north of the island or middle of the island. And that's pretty good as well. So those are the places that I would recommend you go for falafel. There's also places like Green Panther, but that's not like an authentic Middle Eastern experience. But Green Panther has a lot of vegetarian stuff. And then there's this Israeli falafel place. And I cannot for the life of me remember what it's called but I will look it up and mention it next episode and they've got authentic Israeli falafel which is fairly similar to to what you would consider like the Lebanese falafel which is what I'm used to it just I think has uh, more cumin in it it's got like a little bit of a more of a cuminy flavor is is the way that I would describe it but those are all pretty authentic places again Green Panther isn't a Middle Eastern place but it's got uh, it's got falafel and it's got, I think, other vegetarian things, if you're looking for. So that was a very long-winded answer, to, but, but at least I hope that people got uh, falafel places out of there.
1: Coming up next, we are actually on to the hockey questions. Now we have a couple from Randy Hansen here. Sammy Niku is asking why he's on this team by now. Do you see him staying on the roster beyond the return of Joel Edmondson?
0: All right, here's what. I think that this is, goes back to what we were saying on yesterday's episode, where management and coaching staff might not have the same philosophy. It's easy to see why they would pick up somebody like Sami Niku or sign him. Uh, and, and it was a very low risk move and that uh, they're not allowing him to show the high reward. And uh, I think he is, it's it's essentially your expectations, right? So we thought, all right, he's, he's able to move He's puck-moving guy. We saw him make, make some mistakes and do some turnovers, but everybody on the team was doing that when he was playing. So it's not just him. I think they should play him. I think they should give him an opportunity. But the fact is, if you don't have a solid system and a structure, it doesn't matter who you put on the ice, you're not going to be able to get the best out of them. So I think they should keep him. I think they should play him. But I also think that this is definitely a case of the same thing as yesterday with the Adam Brooks thing. The front office and the coaching staff have different ideas. Scott, what do you think?
1: I think they should keep him. Uh, I think if he were to go to Laval, he would be a huge bonus for a team that actually might contend for something this year. But I don't know if he'd make it through waivers, especially given some of these teams who are real beat up on defense. Teams like uh, Philadelphia and uh, who was it? They just lost someone else for four to six weeks. Um, I can't think of it off the top of my head. But teams that need defensemen and Niku's a body they can throw in there for right now. And he's dirt cheap. I'd rather not lose him on waivers. But, you know. They probably will because this team doesn't know how to analyze talent right now. I really just hope that they give him another shot. I thought he's looked fine for what he is, which is all you can really ask. But like you said, there seems to be a differing usage between the coaching staff and the front office, which is just never a good sign. Also from Randy, is Jesse Yolenen ready for a call up right now?
0: That's a question for you, Scott.
1: So I I look at it and I go, yes, because the Canadian's top six is abysmal. But I also go, no, let him keep developing. He's got some habits to work out. He has this frustrating, I'm going to call it Kostitzen syndrome. And I mean this in a positive way in that he does some things on the ice where you go, wow, oh my God, this kids can't miss. And then one or two other shifts, they kind of take off and you don't really notice them. I see a lot out of him that I really like, but there are still some things to build on there. And I think he will in due time. I think J.F. Houle is going to get the most out of him in the near future here. I wouldn't be shocked if he's in the lineup relatively soon, but right now I I don't see it. Let him run Laval with Cole Caulfield called up. They need that shot on the power play, and that's going to be Yolen's spot going forward. From at Jesse underscore Habs, what was your favorite moment from the playoff run last year?
0: It's hard not to say it was 3-1. It's really hard not to say that. But when I think about it in context over the course of the entire playoff run, I think Arturi Lekinen scoring that goal and the moment that followed after that with all of the Canadians being like I cannot believe I'm going to the Stanley Cup final. I think that is my objectively favorite moment if I take pettiness out of it. But if you Include the pettiness, obviously, that Alex Galchenyuk pass to Cole Caulfield uh, is, uh, is, is my favorite. If, if you look at it, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Scott. Sorry, it's your turn.
1: Mine is it was 3-1. There, there's nothing <laughs> funnier than that. I And here's the thing is I had a lot of fun playing against Winnipeg and against Vegas. Clearly, the final wasn't great. But game seven against Toronto was hilarious where Toronto just didn't show up. And I don't care if that makes me petty or bitter or whatever. Don't blow 3-1 leads and then hop in my mentions to crap on Cole Caulfield and the Habs are having a bad season. You, st- you can't unblow a 3-1 lead to your biggest rival. And that's always going to be the funniest part for me.
0: Speaking of it was 3-1, make sure you listen on Tuesday to hear what Amanda Suzuki had to say about that. And we've got a few more questions coming up. But first, we are back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus from basketball, football, baseball postseason, NHL, boxing. And UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. And don't forget that promo code, it's locked on. So we've got a few more mailbag questions left. Scott, what do we have in the Twitter mailbag?
1: Uh, We have one from at Goody Jamie. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that at Canadians. Wow. Hey guys, being Scottish, hockey was not my first love. Instead, it was football, soccer. I understand what do all the small things right, play smart mean in football. But I'm curious, what does that mean in hockey? And what does that mean in each position?
0: So this is a really interesting question. That when I saw it earlier today, I thought, you know what, we should do is we should have uh, somebody who plays hockey or coaches hockey to talk to us about that. But in my mind, as a fan, when I'm listening, when when I'm when I'm watching the team play, I think doing the small things right and the smart things right involves a lot of things in hockey, particularly. It means committing to certain plays. I think. Like if if I'm looking at forwards, if I'm looking at defensemen, I think that it's really, really important to always be mobile. It's important to, to be really hard to force off the puck. It's important to carry the puck into the, to the offensive zone, to carry it out of the uh, defensive zone. I think it's important to finish your checks, but keep your head up. Um, and when I say keep your head up, I mean it's it's also important for you not to put yourself in 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 a situation where you could harm somebody. I don't mean the other way around like I'm not victim blaming here. I think it's important not to be reckless when you are playing a sport that involves a lot of physical contact um and uh, and so you know it's very easy. To throw a hit or or do something to try to get in between a player and the puck that is going to injure them so for me personally that's what that's what that means uh I think managing your your time managing your energies is important and I think just being committed like you can't half-ass anything in hockey because it's a game that's so fast and you give away the puck uh, accidentally if if if, you know if you're not covering your man oh That's a great one. Covering your man. Like that is such a particular thing is like, how many times do you see a goal happen because you allow a player to waltz into the the offensive zone or your defensive zone? What is that? It's you're not covering. Right. So, or on the power play, for example, you need to be creative. You need to be dynamic because there's only so many ways that you can set up a, a power play. And, uh, most, coaches are pretty competent at coaching against it depending on who who they are so you have to come up with creative ways you have to always keep moving um and uh, on the on the penalty kill it is so so important to allow your goalie to see the puck and it's important to cover your men to know where you are at a numerical disadvantage but if you're aware of where everybody is on the ice you you can kill penalties effectively scott what's your thoughts on what is a smart way to play
1: i mean my whole thing with doing the little things right is make the smart passes don't put your teammates in danger like you know if you don't have a play just make the safe dump out you know put pucks towards the net if you're the goalie make sure you're not wandering it's just small little things it's like when you're in soccer is instead of trying the long you know overhead like hoofing hoofing it up the field there maybe make the short passes and play with some speed through the midfield do things to build up play instead of just trying to go for the home run on every shift.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And, and there's also like, don't try to be too fancy. And it's something that I hate because usually the person saying it is a dinosaur, but if you, if you try to do too much, you run the risk of making an error. And it's very, very few people that can actually be that good. Like if Connor McDavid tries to do too much, that's very different than like some guy on the third line trying to do too much and then setting himself up to just basically be undressed and, and, and the opposing team scores.
1: Uh, we have another question from Randy Hansen. Why does Scott always offer to eat something if he loses a wager? Is he always hungry? Why not agree to wear something inappropriate instead, like a skirt in winter?
0: Okay, well, first of all. Scott, you have a cold. Please dress yourself adequately now that the weather is cold. Um, Second, I'm going to guess at this, and it's because people like watching things like this. People like watching food stunts. Just ask our friends Andrew Berkshire and and Julian McKenzie, who uh, did the Hot Wings, what is it? The Hot Ones Gauntlet. um, Yes, they did the Hot
1: Ones Gauntlet last Saturday, and they were good up until like the last two sauces, and then Andrew's lips turned a shade of red, And Julian basically almost fell out of his chair suffering through the last dab.
0: (laughs) Anyway, people love stuff like that. And I think that's why, right, Scott?
1: Yeah. And wait till they see what we have lined up for our 500th show. Uh, Assuming uh, it gets here in the mail, thanks to JD Young from Locked On Content Boys, who um, very well might've mailed me one of the worst things I'm ever going to ingest. (laughs)
0: I can't wait for the folks to see that. Uh, and, and, uh, it really does, does sound gross. I'm so excited. Um, and, uh, I guess, I guess that was a question for, for Scott, but I answered it anyway. What else have we got in the mailbag?
1: What is better for a long flight, a crime novel or a romance novel asking for a friend?
0: That friend is me. Um, I'm going on a very long flight to see my parents, uh, We like my sister and I are going to see our family for Christmas and we both wanted to uh, do it in the safest way possible, minimizing our contact with others and others contact with us. So we are taking the stupid way there. Um, And that involves uh, first a 12 point something hour flight and then another two hour flight. And then um, on the way back, it's something like 14 hours. So it's almost 15 hours. It's a long flight. So I asked on Twitter for thriller uh, novel ideas or anything that's a page turner, really, because at some point your eyes start hurting when you watch those small screens. So I got some good suggestions. And I think a crime novel or crime crime book is way more preferable on a on a plane ride, something that is easy to stay engrossed in, because I know that romance novels are, are super, super popular. And I think that they are a legitimate genre, no matter what people say but I personally think that they're one of those books that I find really easy to tune out.
1: Uh, what do we have here? What NHL teams do you love to hate besides the leaves? What NHL team do you secretly enjoy?
0: And I think that comes from Logan, who's a frequent listener and, and uh, commenter and uh, okay. So I really hate the Bruins. I actually, we haven't seen them very often, uh, recently in recent times but I hate the Bruins more than I hate the Leafs I I, I actually just dis- don't dislike the Leafs as much but I hate their fans more like I think the fans ruin the experience of the rivalry for me whereas with the Habs Bruins like you know it's it's a circus all around all the time the media is bad the fans are both bad um, you know it's it's basically a wash but if you want to look at like a fan base that ruins a team for me, it's definitely Leafs fans and it's so lopsided. It's not even close at least when it's the Bruins, the Habs fans are just as bad as the Bruins fans. Uh, that's a team that I, that I love to hate. Another team that I actually hate is the Penguins, not just because they won six zero tonight, but I like, I've had this like strong aversion to the Pittsburgh Penguins for a long time. And uh, you know, I want to say the Ottawa Senators, but I don't want to give them that much importance. As for teams that I like watching, I secretly like watching. Um, I enjoyed Nashville for a very long time, but they're not very good anymore. I used to really like the Chicago Blackhawks as well, but I don't anymore. Obviously not because they suck, but you know, all of those fun memories of making friends with Blackhawks fans are also just like really tainted. Like I, Jonathan Taves used to be my favorite player. Very disappointed in him. That's tainted um i'm trying to think of like anyone that i secretly i used to secretly really like to watch the washington capitals too they were really really fun team to follow for a long time
1: one i can't believe you forgot to say that you're a bruins flyers fan which is just like (laughs) the the weirdest thing (laughs) of this that's Uh, a
0: meme i used to also really like the flyers like the last couple of years i haven't like hated them or anything like that but I just, I used to really enjoy the way that they played in the years that they had Mike Richards and Jeff Carter because they were a really tough team without being gratuitously, like, you know, without being gratuitously, gratuitously cheap, but they were also skilled. Like that to me was like when, when say, when they say that you need to be tough to win, like they, they also still had the skill. So I really enjoyed them as well.
1: I I think my team that I love to hate now is just the Canucks, their fan base kind of just made that happen. Uh, The Oilers are up there as well, just because fan bases make a thing go that way. And surprisingly, I I don't know if it's a secret. I do really enjoy watching the Calgary Flames when I'm not watching the Habs. Uh, Shout out the Scorch stack forever and always. Scorch forever. Uh, And I used to really enjoy the Jets until Mark Shifley turned into a giant gutless coward. And now it's a little bit tainted and weird because... I can't really cheer for a guy like that. Um, I do love Nikolai Ehlers forever and always. Amen. He's fantastic, and I want him in Montreal. Let's do that.
0: Let's make that happen.
1: I've been trying for years, and it just never happens, unfortunately. (laughs) Uh, We have a question from at Habs on Reddit. Scott, did you eat 64 slices of American cheese again? And... Uh, my follow-up to this is the other night when we got done recording and everything after the Rocket game where they came back from a 5-1 deficit to beat the Marlies in a shootout, uh, I forgot to have dinner. So I literally just ate like three slices of cheese and went to bed last night because I am a terrible, terrible adult. And so I posted a GIF from The Simpsons where Homer sits down and eats 64 slices of American cheese I did not eat 64. Uh, I had to function at work the next day, but I did have like three or four slices because I am a terrible, terrible adult. Are you ready for our nemesis question, Laura?
0: Um, I'm not because I know what it is and you're going to laugh at me because I don't understand the question.
1: (laughs) What is the scarier animated children's movie, the brave little toaster or the land before time?
0: So I haven't seen either. Um, as most people know i was a very sheltered child please don't tell me that's like more recent because i literally have not seen either one
1: so my whole thing with the land before time is it has one of the most absolutely devastatingly depressing children move children's movie moments where littlefoot thinks he sees his dead mother and it turns out it's just a tree and it is just absolutely scarring but the brave little toaster is an acid trip of a horror movie. I do not understand why it was made. It was just absolutely. Oh man. It's, I can't believe it's a real movie. Like it, it's horrifying that it was a kid's movie. (laughs) It, I I, I like, go look it up, Laura. I swear, go look up clips from this movie and you will not believe that it was real
0: okay this is going to be my homework between now and the next mailbag episode i'm going to watch both and i mean um, it can't
1: be any scarier than watching the canadians at any point in time right now like
0: (laughs) um i'm actually excited now to see how horrifying this is and 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 so wait it is explicitly uh like made for children like that's what it
1: is the brave little hold on i will google it right now brave little the 1987 film brave little toaster what is it rated I'm pretty sure it was rated G. Hold on. Parent guide. The Brave Little Toaster. Yeah. In Canada, it's rated G. In the United <laughs> States, it's not ra- Like, I do not understand how this movie was like. Yeah. I I, I do not understand it. Parental rating. I, I highly recommend it. Uh, it do not watch it under the influence of anything but uh yeah I can't wait to hear your thoughts
0: I'm so so excited so this is going to be locked on NHL next week's mailbag uh someone has to remember to ask me my thoughts it's happening I'm excited um also before we end this, this the episode I'm just going to say that I'm really sad because I'm looking at Matias Norlinder's face and he's such a precious boy and uh, this was not an auspicious NHL debut for him, even though he played well. Um, and uh, in the meantime, we will probably not be this, uh, this down. We were, were both under the weather this week. And um, as Scott mentioned, I've been, I've been you know, adjusting to some changes in my life. So next week, we will have lots of fun and positive and upbeat things, even if the Canadians don't give them to us. We will make it happen. So please follow locked on Canadians or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can email us at locked at gmail.com and keep that in mind because our giveaway will have, will be related to uh LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. That'll be where you send your entries for a giveaway. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. Uh, and in the meantime, Check out Locked On Bets where they are really killing it. The the haves might not be giving you joy, but Locked On Bets will give you advice that might bring you joy, that just might bring you joy. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you on Monday.